Today we are starting a new series for this week and next week, and at least for this, the, this Christmas, the month of December, called Christmas Timing. Christmas Timing. And the big idea for our, our conversation, really these next three weeks, but especially as we talk about uh, the passage of Scripture for today's lesson, is God's timing invites me to have faith. So I want you to kind of keep that in your mind as we dialogue about this early Christmas story found in the Gospel of Luke. And so if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1, maybe just kind of put your finger there, uh, hold it open. We're going to get there into the minute, but in a minute. But God's timing invites me to have faith. You know, church, have you ever experienced moments in your life when you wondered what God was up to? It's kind of a rhetorical question because that's the answer is probably yes for most of us. Have you ever had questions about why God allows certain things to happen or maybe why God doesn't intervene in some situations? Well, in today's Bible story, one of the first things that we're going to discover together today, and this point number one, for those of you in your notes, if you're writing, taking notes, write this down, and that's even the righteous experience disappointment. Even the righteous experience disappointment. Even the righteous don't always have things go their way. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke is in the New Testament portion of our Bible. And in chapter 1, we are really introduced to the beginnings of what is known as the Christmas story. And in Luke chapter 1, our focus is going to be on really two individuals in our story uh, by the names of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And so if you have your Bible open to Luke chapter 1, slide down to verse 5 and follow along as I read this. Maybe try to picture this scene in your mind. Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea, was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. He's the priestly order of Abijah. We'll talk about that. His wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So we're told here there's two individuals from priestly lines. They're righteous, right? It calls them out as being righteous, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. They're doing all the right stuff. Yet, look at this next part. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Friends, have you ever known somebody who wanted to be a parent, who wanted to have children, but like Elizabeth and Zachariah, physical circumstances prevented a pregnancy? You know, for the woman who wants to be a mother and have children of her own but unable to get pregnant, Mother's Day on the calendar is a very depressing day. For the man who wants to be a dad, to have a son or daughter to raise, but for whatever reason is unable to, Father's Day on the calendar can be a very depressing day. In biblical times, as most of you know, having kids, procreation, was a high, high value. And so if you were a married couple who didn't have children, in biblical times, people had a tendency to, to look down upon you. 
They would pity you. Many times they would frown upon you. They would think, oh, they must be doing something wrong because having kids was this strong social and religious expectation. So here in the Gospel of Luke, we are introduced to two people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, whose life was characterized in part by the fact that they were childless. They were spiritual. The Bible tells us that they were careful to obey all of God's regulations and commandments. And so the fact that Elizabeth is unable to get pregnant must have caused some people to kind of scratch their heads. Do you ever scratch your head when you're question what God maybe is doing or not doing, either in your life or the life of those who you love? When these Bible verses were told that Zechariah and Elizabeth were two people whose family tree lineage boasted a priestly bloodline. We read that they were descendants of Aaron, who you know who Aaron was. He was the first priest of of the nation of Israel. He was the brother of Moses, one of the greatest Old Testament leaders ever. And so if anyone really deserved to have kids, if anyone was eligible to be blessed by God to be a parent, it would have been Zechariah and Elizabeth. And yet... In spite of this prestigious, God-ordained, wonderful ancestry, we're told here that Zach and Elizabeth's quiver is empty, reinforcing the truth that even the righteous experience disappointment. Brothers and sisters, how is your faith impacted when things don't go your way? How is your relationship with God affected when your dreams get sidetracked or when delays interfere with your hopes? You know, we read here in verse 8 that the Bible writer tells us that Zechariah is serving God in the temple. He's from the line of Abijah. As some of you uh, might know, there were 24 groups of priests who regularly rotated serving in the Jewish temple. These 24 groups were initially set up by King David when King David was getting ready to, to build the temple. The qualifications to serve in the temple, as you would imagine, were unreasonably stringent. And so to serve was considered a super high honor. But what makes Zach's service even more special in this Bible story is what we're told in verses 8 to 10. So look at it. Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Get my Bible open here and I'm going to read it with you. Verse 8. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. You know, in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, in the book of Exodus chapter 30, verses 7 and 8, we can read God's instruction to Aaron, Moses' brother, who was the... Uh, and also the first priest to burn incense daily. 
I don't know what the process was for selecting who got to burn the incense. We're told here in verse 9 that Zechariah was chosen by lot. So how did they do that? I mean, I don't know if of, of all these, these, these various clans, if the guys wrote their name on a rock and they threw it in the bag and somebody would pull out the rock and go, hey, guess what? You're on duty this week. The Bible doesn't really tell us. But here's what I know about burning incense. The Bible was, is very clear that to burn incense in the holy place of the temple was a sacred responsibility. It was a responsibility that God took very seriously. In fact, the Bible tells stories of God striking people dead with fire from heaven and he would have the earth open up and suck people into the ground because they burned the incense unworthily outside the temple because they weren't part of this priestly heritage. Friends, going before God in the sanctuary with incense was a big deal. And only once in a lifetime would a priest be allowed to do so and consequently some never ever got the chance. But here we read, but now that now as an old man, Zechariah's name and number is called, his rock is picked, so to speak, reinforcing this point that Zechariah the priest is special. He is anointed. He is handpicked and chosen by God. And yet, friends, his dream of becoming a dad is what? It's unrealized. He's old. His wife is barren and old. They are childless, reinforcing this sad but real point that even the righteous experience disappointment. And maybe some of you can relate to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Maybe for some of you, life hasn't gone the way you hoped. Maybe for some of you, life has been colored by letdowns. A question I invite you to ponder today is, will you serve God faithfully anyway? Will you choose to trust God? Will you choose to stay positive and flexible and open? Friends, God's timing invites us to have faith. Is that always easy, yes or no? No. Which is why we need each other. Which is why we gather in a place like this or tune in online for some accountability because we need each other. And we have to ask God for help, right? So let's keep reading. Let's see what happens. Look at verse 11. Luke chapter 1, verse 11. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Okay, skip down to verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, oh, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now since you didn't believe what I said, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now write this down, point number two. And this to me is mind-boggling. I've never, ever considered this point before until this week, and we're going to hammer it hard. And that's this. Even the righteous autopilot their spirituality. Even the righteous autopilot their spirituality. Brothers and sisters, do you ever pray prayers but have little expectation that God is going to answer them? Think about this. Why was Zachariah surprised when the angel Gabriel visited him? Zachariah is in the holy sanctuary. He's burning incense before the Lord, which was a proven recipe to have and experience God's presence, to experience a God encounter. If there was ever a place and a time when God would speak, it would be during the burning of the incense. So why was Zachariah surprised when Gabriel, God's angel, visited him? Why didn't Zachariah question Gabriel after, why did he question Gabriel after being told that his wife Elizabeth was going to be pregnant? I mean, shouldn't Zachariah's response have been, hey, I've been expecting you. I'm so glad you're here. How are things going in heaven, right? I mean, he's been preparing his whole life for this incense moment. But instead, how does Zachariah respond? After being told that Elizabeth is going to get pregnant, Zechariah responds with doubt, doesn't he? Which suggests to me, brothers and sisters, that Zechariah's spirituality was on autopilot. Perhaps going through the motions just a little bit. Which leads me to suggest the point that even the righteous autopilot their spirituality. And this truth causes me to ask myself, is my spirituality on autopilot? You know, when I walk into this auditorium for our worship gatherings, what are my expectations? Am I expecting God to show up? Am I expecting God to dispatch his angels on this place to touch your life and my life and those tuning in online? Or am I just going through the motions? I love God. I believe that he wants to touch my life, but do I really expect him to show up? Am I really looking for God? But what about you? Where are you at today? Are you going through the motions? Is your spirituality on autopilot? 
You know, when you walk into this auditorium or when you tune on your smart television or computer, maybe you're listening to this on an auto or podcast right now, are you expecting a God encounter? Are you expecting God to demonstratively touch your life or is your spiritual activity and expectations on autopilot? Friends, when was the last time that God surprised you? How long has it been since you encountered your holy creator? You know, this past week as I was pondering this question, and this is just mind-boggling for me. I mean, this has really shifted my trajectory a little bit. Now, as I was pondering this question, I happened to be out in Palm Springs for like a 54-hour period. I like to go to this little villa that I have, have gone to over the last probably 25 years. It's a place where I just kind of get away and I'll write and I'll think. And this, this week I was thinking about this Christmas series and I was planning for 2023. And as I was reflecting and spending time in prayer and just, you know, kind of enjoying Palm Springs, I mean, who doesn't love Palm Springs? Is is the Lord brought to my mind this experience that I had years ago. And I've shared this story with some of you that involved our two daughters when they were very young. This experience where God surprised me. Let me tell you about it. One of the rituals that Robin and I would have with our daughters, and maybe some of you as parents had a similar one with your kids when they were younger, or maybe as they are young, is one of the things that I would do is our bedtime ritual usually involved me tucking our girls into bed, I would tell them a story. I'd always begin out with the story like, once upon a time, there were four friends, Michael, Rob, or Michael Murray, Dwight, and Terry, and they were best friends. And my girls would say in unison, and they were best friends. And then I would tell them this story. Many times it would be true. Most of the time it would be made up. <laughs> well, maybe it was true. But I would tell them the story, and then after the story, I would tuck them in again, or maybe we would kneel by our bed and we would say our prayers, and then would give them a, a final blessing. I would sing them this blessing song. I'm not going to sing it for you right now. And then I would pray a prayer over them, and then they would, they would hopefully go to sleep and prep for the next day. It wasn't uncommon for me as my daughters would be under their covers and I would take turns, you know, from night to night where I would just sit, sit at the, kneel at the bed, and I would, and I would pray for them. And on this particular case, I fell asleep, which is not uncommon when I kneel and pray. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I could be at home in the afternoon. If I get down on my knees and I start to pray, I just fall asleep. I don't know what it is. And so if you pray and fall asleep, you're in good company. Okay. But on this particular night, I just remember suddenly waking up with a jolt. I don't know if you know what that's like, but I, I kind of had this jolt moment. And as I opened my eyes and I looked across my daughter who was laying in bed, as she lay in bed, I saw somebody who was laying in the bed next to her horizontally. And as I tried to focus my eyes and kind of clear the cobwebs from, from my sleepy brain, the individual that was lying in the bed next to her slowly began to sit up, exposing to, to me this, his side profile. And maybe you can picture this in your mind. He had a big head. A big head. His hair was long and thick and wavy. He had this chiseled jawbone, a square chin, and this nose was like a, the best way I can describe it is like a beak nose. 
Reminded me of like an eagle's face, just this really bony kind of this beak nose. Powerful presence. And before I could do anything or respond in, in any kind of way, I heard this message in my thoughts. Nothing verbal. Nothing audible. But very clear. Go to bed, Mike. I got her. I'm watching over and I'm protecting her. Do you believe in guardian angels? Do you believe that God, our creator, loves you enough to dispatch his heavenly host in response to your prayers, just as he did in this Bible story with Zechariah? Palmarva's family, when was the last time that you experienced God? When was the last time that God surprised you and interjected himself into your spiritual rhythm? Are you asleep? Are you going through the motions? I mean, you're here today in a torrential flood, practically, for Southern California. So you're, you're obviously making an intent to be here. But that doesn't remove the fact that now I'm here. Am I just settling in? Or am I really expecting God to show up as I burn incense, so to speak, in this place? Is your spirituality on autopilot? I challenge you to ponder that this week. Would you write this down, point number three in your notes? Even the righteous need God's touch. Even the righteous need God's touch. You do and I do. Look at verse 23 and then we're going to wrap the, we're going to land the plane here. Luke chapter 1 verse 23. This is what we read. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Brothers and sisters, the big idea of today's conversation involves the truth that God's timing involves you, invites you, and invites me to have faith. God's plans, as most of you have likely learned, are on his timetable, not ours. God sees a big picture that you and I don't see. God sees the long plan. That's why we need each other. And we need to help each other stay hopeful and expectant and positive. You know, next week we're going to unpack just a little bit more of Zachariah's and Elizabeth's story. Elizabeth eventually gives birth to a, a baby who grows up to be who? John the Baptist. He was the forerunner. He was the cousin of Jesus. He was the guy who God used to prepare the way really for Jesus. And we're going to spend more time on that next week. But for today... As we close out this conversation, here's my invitation. For those of you in the auditorium right now, and I'm going to move this here, I want you, right where you're sitting, I want you to put your arms kind of on your lap, 
kind of the forearms on and bend, maybe bend forward on your knees and just get in a kind of a posture of prayer. Hands open as always, okay? For those of you who are at home, maybe on a couch or recliner and you're watching online, if possible, I encourage you to kneel. And maybe some of you here today want to do that as well. It's up to you. Now, I recognize that some people are listening to this conversation right now while they're driving in their car. Maybe live or this is recorded. You're listening to the podcast. If it's safe for you right now, if you're driving in a vehicle or you're out, I just want you to, to pull over to the side of the road and get in a safe place where you too can get in a posture of receptivity. What I'm trying to do, brothers and sisters, in this moment is I want us to break out of our spiritual rhythm. Let's create a bit of a shift in, in what we commonly practice. We're going into the temple. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to burn incense. Now with your hands open, and if you can, I realize you're, at, you're bending at your waist, some of you, but take a deep breath and just inhale and hold it for a second. And then exhale. One more deep breath. As you inhale, say, Lord, I want more of you in my life. And as you exhale, just pray, Lord, I want less of me. And God, I'm putting myself in a physical posture of receptivity. Everybody good? Now pray this in your heart, wherever you might be, whether here on campus or online, on the side of the road somewhere, maybe you're walking. Pray this in your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my spiritual complacency. Please forgive me for my spiritual complacency. I don't want to live my spiritual life on autopilot. And pray, God, please increase my awareness of your activity. I want to be surprised by you this week. Just like Zachariah. Because God, I need and I want your touch on my life. This is my ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're sitting with somebody... And if you're out alone and walking somewhere, I want you to turn to them or scream at the top of your lungs, God is with you. God is with you. Brothers and sisters, it's so easy for us to, 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 to get on autopilot. You know, and even this morning, you know, today at 11 o'clock after our service conversation is done, you know, we're going to go over to Stephen Robbins' house for this, you know, a Christmas brunch or annual Christmas brunch. And as it's pouring rain outside, I'm thinking, well, maybe we should cancel, right? It's going to be messy and whatever. And God's just like, no, no, you know, yeah, it's okay. Steve hunts all the time. That's messy as messy can be. It's a little messy. We'll just help clean up. Don't let the messy in your life frustrate you. Let the messy of our lives be an opportunity to say, hey, maybe God's in this right now. Maybe God's kind of stirring me up. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? So this week, I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to look for God all around you because he loves you and he is for you and he is with you. Amen and amen and amen.